You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we get the pleasure to sit down with Nikki Norris for a second time on the podcast. Nikki is the athletic director at East Lansing High School in East Lansing, Michigan. She joined us for a special edition way back in November of 2020 when her state shut down athletics for a second time due to the pandemic. But today, we join her under far different circumstances as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX with her and have a great time talking leadership. Let's settle in, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Miss Nikki Norris. Nikki, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. It's always good to see a friendly face as you joined us uh, once before. I think that was at the height of the pandemic. So we're excited to talk to you in maybe what is more of a normal time now. I don't know. Maybe it is. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me. And, And we're almost back to normal. We're getting there. Amen. Thank goodness. All right. For our listeners, uh, Nikki Norris is the athletic director at East Lansing High School in East Lansing, Michigan. She's been at East Lansing uh, since 2018, and she also is serving as the president of the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association this year. But I'm going to stop right there. We're going to get to know Nikki a little bit more, and I'm going to let Nikki tell us uh, more about her journey through athletics. We call it the back of the baseball card bio. So if you could just give us what might be on the back of Nikki Norris's baseball card. Uh, the back of my card would start with my earliest memory of sports, playing catch in the backyard with my dad and my big brother. And I wasn't any good at it, but they were doing it. So I wanted to be a part of that. So my dad was my first coach. Um, I had a lot of opportunities. I grew up in a small community and we had a lot of community support for athletics. So in, in high school, as a three-sport athlete, I went on to run track at Alma College. So I got to experience a Division three student-athletes perspective. And throughout my journey, I would coach, I'd officiate volleyball, um, pretty much anything I could do to stay active in the sports community. So when I uh, graduated from Alma College, I actually rolled into my very next year, I was the assistant volleyball coach there. And that was my first real big time uh, coaching position. And then it just continued. Um, I went into uh, high school education as a teacher and coach and would coach anything they'd let me. Anytime I could work with students, I was enthused about that. And I think a lot of it just goes back to the fact that I had really great mentors that showed me the way, starting back with that uh, first backyard pitching session. That's good. You mentioned those mentors. (laughs) Recently, the University of Georgia women's basketball team completed their season in the NCAA tournament. And at their last press conference, senior uh, Jenna Stady spoke about how much it meant to her that now former coach Joni Taylor, quote unquote, fixed her when she returned to Georgia after playing her freshman season at Maryland. In her words, I was broken and she fixed me. And I think that that is an extremely powerful look behind the curtain of what we do in athletics regarding the mental health of our student athletes. But your state association is taking it a step further by partnering with Aetna to provide mental health assistance to ADs and athletic trainers with there being a spotlight on mental health, probably now more than ever, tell us what this new partnership will do for the ADs there in Michigan and athletic trainers, and maybe additionally, 
what activities or strategies can be implemented to address and improve mental health in the AD community? Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm very excited. We just announced that at our annual conference last week that we'll, we're partnering with Aetna for this um, employee assistance program, which will provide mental health um, resources to athletic directors, everybody in their family, our administrative assistants. And we're also offering that to the Michigan High School Athletic Association staff. We have a very, very close partnership with that group. Um, you know, we've had, it's been a rough two years. And we've had, we've lost ADs as far as leaving the profession. We've almost lost a few ADs for more serious reasons. And so the fact that this is being offered, I think, is a wonderful opportunity. You know, you think about our role as the athletic directors, and our job is to take care of the coaches and to take care of the kids. And we don't really take time for ourselves. So this program will offer counseling services, either a video call or if uh, we submit our area, they will try and find us a live face-to-face provider also that we could meet with. And so there's um, all these opportunities to support not just us, but help us support our own families. You know, if you have a, a family member going through a tough time, sometimes we don't know how to handle that. And so these opportunities are going to be wonderful. And um, I'm, I'm really, really proud of our executive director for finding this. Um, we'll be the first um, athletic administrators association in the country to offer this to all of our members and, and so many of our ancillary members. And then um, it, it came out of a discussion we had with the assistant superintendent at Novi Schools in Southeast Michigan, who comes up and does a mental health session for us at our conference every year, and they provide it to their whole school staff. And so there's about seven school districts in the state of Michigan that are providing this to their staff and have had wonderful, wonderful results. So we're really looking forward to getting that going. We're hoping if we get everything rolling, we're hoping by May 1st, our our members will have this opportunity. Wow. That, that is so good. Uh, yeah, I know uh, Darren Coe from North Carolina, he said on AD Insider recently, we talked about this on the national call uh, that we that we host, his quote was, I think that we all need to make it a priority to know our people, not just who they are on the court. And that includes us. That includes the athletic leader. And I think you summed it up great. Like everybody comes to us because they want us to fix everything. They want us to put the fire out or at least turn it into a candle. And then they just keep moving and they keep doing their thing as they should. You've got head coaches. You want them to run their programs. You have athletes. You want them to excel in the field. But this is a space that definitely needs some attention. And I think it's great that you guys are doing this. Well, and, you know, it's you look at our schedule and it's so intimidating to even try and schedule a dentist appointment with our schedules. Right. And what was really unique to me that stood out, stood out as the assistant superintendent had mentioned he can book himself for a meeting and do a tele Zoom type session with his therapist. and you can do this in the middle of the day, you know? And so I think it's a, it's a very flexible format that our members are going to be able to use, but you're right. They come to us for answers. And uh, I I think I joked last time that I was keeping track on my wall of all the different ways that I can say, I don't know. And how hard that is for us because they look to us for answers. And and to be an athletic director, you've got to be a little bit of a control freak and you, you've got to feel prepared that you can answer all those questions. And so it's been um, it's been an interesting two years, and I'm just really proud of our members for embracing this and, and we're taking it on. That's funny you said that. I, I can't tell you how many times 
somebody has told us, what y'all, what'd you do for spring break? Or we went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. What, what'd you, what'd you do for fall break? We went to the dentist, like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in this world, it's like that you have, that's when you can do those things, you know? Uh, and so again, just kudos to you. We're in that's July. Fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny you brought that up. I've got a, a dentist appointment Monday of spring break. So um, there you go. it's kind of funny. Nikki, are there any, I'm going to put you on spot a little bit. Are there any just strategies you could share that the assistant superintendent shares in that workshop uh, to help us, uh, you know, kind of combat the mental, mental health? Well, the first is that it's okay. You know, we, we all struggle and it's okay. And I think we've gotten a lot better at normalizing mental health challenges. I think for a long time, that was a very private, personal battle that many people fight or members of their family fight. And so because it has been, I think, destigmatized, being open and honest, and he's wonderful when he speaks and he talks about his own battles and his own challenges and how he copes with those. And so I think the number one lesson that I took out of that session was, let's talk about this. It's okay. And when you have someone in crisis or someone that needs to speak with you, take the time and listen. We feel unprepared because we're not mental health professionals, but we can listen and then hopefully get them headed in the right direction to get help. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. All right. I want to change gears a little bit. Go back to your uh, baseball card bio. You mentioned um, a unique trait or a piece of your past is you are a volleyball official during your coaching days and as you got out of college there. I think you might be our first official that we have interviewed. So <laughs> uh, we'll try to take it easy on you there. But no, uh, on, on a more serious note, what did you learn during your years as an official that's helped you in your role as athletic director? What can you teach us from being on that side of the whistle? Poise, stay calm. When you're faced with a situation, and the one thing a volleyball has is you have a replay. Not many other sports can say, whoop, I made a mistake, replay, yeah. no fault. So that helped. But I started my freshman year of college. So I was 18 years old and I was officiating kids that were, you know, just a year behind me in high school. And so I was very lucky that I had some strong mentors that taught me that, that have faith in your call, you'll be okay, but listen to coaches. And so you get put into some high stress situations and you have to learn how to keep your composure. And I think that's one of the lessons that helped me with the rest of my career, but also one of the reasons I really encourage our high school athletes to get involved, not only to get back to the sport, but now you're going to see it from the other side. And some of the best officials we had were maybe not so respectful to officials when they were on the, on the playing field. So it's a really good experience for them. And, you know, when you're in college, it's a great source of income. You can pick your schedule. And I think the more um, younger officials we get in to the profession, the better off we're going to be. We, we have a huge official shortage, shortage in Michigan, which I'm sure yes, you guys also right. have. So I, a friend of mine has a daughter who's a freshman in high school who's learning how to officiate lacrosse right now. And it's going to do wonderful things for her, not just in in the sporting world, but again, to be able to have that composure when you're dealing with a confrontation. That's good. Now, Nikki, today we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX. uh, And as a girl dad to a multi-sport athlete, I'm so very grateful uh, for those who have paved the way uh, for her to do whatever she wants to do athletically when she gets to high school in a few years. 
In February of 2020, you received the Michigan High School Athletic Association's 33rd Women in Sports Leadership Award during uh, their banquet. Uh, what did that mean to you? And did it carry, does that carry any extra weight with this 50th anniversary? Absolutely. That was, that was an honor. One that I wasn't sure I would ever attain. If you look at the other women on the list of winners for that award, they're my idols. They're the people I look up to and want to be when I grow up. You know, it, it brings about a lot of nostalgia of all of the people that came before me and, and how grateful I am. You know, my mom, when she was in high school, they didn't have sports. They had uh, GAA and it, it was more like an intramural program. And I look at how far we've come, even in the short time, the 50 years since Title IX was passed, it's amazing the opportunities we have for our own children. You know, I have two daughters that are Division I volleyball players. I'm not sure that that could have ever happened without all of those very strong, um, persistent people that came before us. And there were so many, so many women that were leaders in, in the field that just did so much and just persisted, didn't take no for an answer and, and pushed and pushed. Sometimes it's not popular, but it's the right thing. And so, you know, I look at all of the opportunities and I try and share this with my student athletes. And, and we're going to do some things also with Title IX this upcoming year to celebrate some milestones and celebrate our female coaches. But I try and share when we go to that women in sports leadership conference with my own student athletes of how important it is and how awesome it is that we're there and we get to bring in, you know, big speakers and, you know, division one coaches will come in and talk to our kids and make themselves accessible. And, and it's because someone came before us. And so a lot of times I'll say, you know, keep looking forward, keep moving forward, but every once in a while, turn around and look behind you because there's people there that got you where you are now. Yeah. We, I've, we try to do that with my mother was an athlete as best she could uh, whenever she was coming up and she, she played basketball, but they couldn't go past half court. Uh, and she could probably beat me in basketball today, by the way. Um, and, and she barrel raced horses, uh, because that was something that she could do like on the side athletic, but she has had conversations with my daughter, you know, just about the way things were and the way things are. And it just, it really, they have a, a very strong connection anyway, but that has kind of really brought them even much more closer so that they're Anytime she has an athletic achievement, that's the first person she wants to call, you know, to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, it has helped to bridge the gap between their ages and their generations and their experiences. Uh, and I think that it's just fantastic. Well, that's, that's the beauty of sport, right? Yep. That's it in a nutshell that, you know, we're connecting generations, we're connecting with our community and we're providing opportunities for our student athletes, especially young women to be put into a leadership role in a safe space where you're not going to succeed every time, but when you fail, we're here to pick you up and learn from the lesson. Yeah, that's really good. I uh, I think today's a great day, this 50th, 50th anniversary of Title IX. It's great to think about, like you said, all the folks who have come before that were persistent to make this uh, opportunity of, of athletics through education more available to so many people. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is I don't know if you broke the ceiling or someone before you did or not. I'm not familiar with it. I AAA as much, but you mentioned, uh, or we mentioned in the intro, you're president this year of the AAA. So congratulations on that honor. Thank you. I know leading your colleagues has to be quite, a, quite an honor, especially during this year of Title IX uh, 50th anniversary celebration. 
And I also want to add, uh, we had an email conversation and you mentioned that over 400 folks or ADs came to uh, the MIAAA conference this year. So congratulations. I think that is a credit to your extraordinary leadership, uh, whether you take credit for it or not. I think that is. <laughs> Uh, you should take credit for it. But, Thank uh, you. I, I can't take credit for it. It's, <laughs> again, it's the people that came before me. You know, we're, we have a, we have a very strong association, but we're still out, we're still trying to turn and pull more people in, and so we're doing what we can to bring in um, ads and districts that don't necessarily know of our organization and get them some professional development. But no, we've we've had multiple female presidents over the years. That's good. Um, some of those that I you know I'm very fortunate that I can pick up the phone and give give her a call. But now that that conference, those numbers weren't me at all. Those were just many years of, of service by many individuals. Oh, that's cool. That's good. We'll give you credit for it, though. So uh, <laughs> just because you're on the year. pocket. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, that being said, one of my favorite leadership experts is a guy named Mark Miller. He's a Chick-fil-A guy. He's written several books. Mm-hmm. His latest one was Smart Leadership. He has a quote that goes, your ability to grow determines your ability to lead. So my question is, what growth opportunities do you think led to your opportunity to lead the Michigan AD Association? I think it goes back to being a girl wanting to be in sports when it was primarily as it when I was younger. Um, I had to play with the boys and it taught me to be comfortable in, in my skin and c- to continue to push. And, and there were times where it I wasn't always most professional about it as a coach if I felt that my student athletes weren't getting what I felt they deserved. Um, and so you have to learn how to push with grace and to continue to see the opportunities and, and think, why not me? You know, when I first started with the MIAAA, you know, I was kind of in reverence of the executive board and the principal, or I'm sorry, the president and, and thought, wow, they've really got, you know, they really got it going on. I want to be like that. And so I, I've continually had role models over the, over my career where I've looked and said, what do they do? You know, they're great leaders. What do they do to be great leaders? And what's awesome about the AD world is you can pick up the phone and ask people. We share our secrets. You know, we're we're happy to share our playbook because we want everybody else to be successful because if they're successful, their students are successful. And that's what we're here for. Yeah, that's great. That's what Don and I have enjoyed so much about the podcast. Uh, just being able to trade secrets or, or still secrets from uh, folks like you and uh, all over the country. Everyone in this uh, industry is is incredibly um, available, it seems like, and willing to share secrets. I think that's a great question. What do they do to be great, to be a great leader? And we probably, uh, most of us have had people that we've looked up to, like you said. So, you know, adding on to that, we uh, did a little homework on the NIAAA website and saw that over 400 athletic leaders in Michigan have obtained their CAA and 60 of those are CMAA certified. Uh, that's really, really cool. What do you, what are y'all doing to encourage ADs to put in the work to be certified? Because whatever you're doing, it's working. Uh, we start right away when we grab them, when we bring them in. Um, I had the pleasure of being able to stop in at the MHSA building and our state association puts on new AD in-services. And so our executive director and I just sat in on those and they give us, you know, about four or five minutes to, to promote our organization. And that's where I just tell them we want every, like I said, we want everyone to be successful. And then, oh, by the way, if you come to our leadership academy, you'll get uh, 501 and 502, and then you'll get 503 at half price. And um, our leadership academy people have built cohorts 
and they continue to check in with these new athletic directors. And so as a part of our uh, summer conference, we always offer an LTI course. And then in our, for our winter, our spring conference that we just had, we offer multiple courses and you could take two of those on the day before the conference actually starts. And so we really promote that. And Fred Smith is wonderful. He's on our, our professional development committee and he'll call me all the time and say, Hey, how come you haven't submitted your CMAA project yet? I'm getting to it, Fred. I'm getting to it, but it's really important. And we see the value in that. And we're trying to spread the word so that our administrators and our school boards and our communities see the value in going through the certification process because it really does better prepare you for the situations you're going to be put in. I mean, nobody knows what an AD does until until you walk in their shoes. And some of the things that we're challenged with, you you better know and have had the background, especially the legal courses, um, to know where to go. And so I think a lot of our state has done a good job of promoting it, encouraging it, and taking people by the hand and saying, come on, you're going to come do this with us. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have talked about, you are the only person on your campus that does what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So just about everybody else on that campus can find somebody on that campus that does the same thing that they do. And they can talk about it and they can go back and forth and all that kind of stuff. But as the AD, you're it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's that's very good what you guys are doing. And, and it's, I think the best part about it is, and we've had other people on here that are really good in certain areas. And every single time that we talk to them about it, the word intention comes up. They, they are intentional about putting in the time and putting in the effort to go, we are going to do this and shocker, they end up being good at it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's great. Not only are we the only ones in our building, but we're one of the very few programs that can't exist without other schools and other programs. So I can't have a football game without another team, without another AD. Um, A lot of our, you know, our performing arts program, which is fabulous here, they don't need another school. You know, our band doesn't need another school. And so when you think about it, that's why I just really believe in my heart that the way we best serve our, our own students is to serve each other and make each other stronger and be available. Pick up the phone, call me. I, I may not have the answer, but I'll find someone who does. All right. Take notes, please. She knows what she's talking about. Now, ESPN basketball analyst Jimmy Dykes, he states in his book, The Film Doesn't Lie, that culture is a daily battle. You don't just one day achieve great culture and then move on to the next fire to be put out or gold to be met. Talks about intention that we just talked about. Expect culture to be hard to obtain. Expect the challenge to be frustrating and expect the process to be met with resistance. But also expect massive returns from a flourishing culture that has been redirected by a changed heart. And I think that's a that's a great quote. How, how do we best work through a, a change in culture? I'm not sure what type of environment that you walked into there at East, or maybe you could speak to another stop of yours, but I would love for you to talk culture for a minute and maybe how best to go about creating it or reinforcing it as you see it. Well, as you know, we've seen the quote, if you don't coach it, you allow it, right? So being very intentional with our staff as to what what's the best way to communicate with our students? What are the challenges our students are seeing right now? And getting them in touch with that so they can have those difficult conversations. But the bottom line is, as long as your student athletes know you care, you're going to be all right. So there's, I, I have fabulous coaches here at East Lansing. I had great coaches in my previous district too, but it goes back to the conversations we have 
about, I care about you. I'm going to be here to serve you, but I need your student athletes to also know that you're there for them. You know, I, I have an open door policy in my office. I'm at the end of the building. So I'm kind of away from a lot of the hubbub, which sometimes is nice, but sometimes it's hard for me to um, communicate with my athletes. So uh, my very first year, uh, a very wise athletic director said, keep a candy jar in your office and they'll come and they do. They'll stop in, get a Jolly Rancher. How was your day? Um, the little things that you can do to let our, our kids know we care about them is what sets the culture. But then also, um, what, do, what, what will we tolerate? You know, what, would, what do we tolerate from our coaches as far as behavior on the sidelines towards officials? Are we having those conversations? And I'm very fortunate because my coaches here are pretty well behaved. And so if there's a tense moment, we work through it. But for the most part, they're very positive role models for their students. And so we have high expectations, but know that if you don't meet our expectations, if you stumble, we're going to be here for you because it's all about growth. And so if we continue to share those messages with our students, they buy in and they understand that, uh, that you know, these are people that care about us. And so um, if they have issues, they'll come to us and we can celebrate with them. And sometimes we cry with them. Oh, that's really good. I like the part where you said, uh, if they stumble, it's okay. We'll be here for you because it's all about growth. And I think uh, so many of them are so scared to grow, so scared to fail that they don't grow as fast as they could. So uh, really, really good point there. So uh, one last question, Nikki, before we get to our two-minute drill. Yesterday, I was handed this little book. It's on clarity and gaining clarity, and uh, it requires a great deal of reflection. It's a book I was handed by one of our coaches, actually. But there's a quote in it by former, former Secretary of Defense James Mattis to start the book. And the quote says, if I was to sum up the single biggest mistake of senior leadership in the information age, it's a lack of reflection. Solitude allows you to reflect while others are reacting. We need solitude to refocus on perspective decision-making rather than just reacting to the problems as they arise. So Nikki, you are very accomplished on many fronts and we've spoken to some of those today. Where do you find time of solitude and reflection that help you find success in so many areas of your life? That's a great question. And I probably don't reflect as much as I should. Um, I've tried to be much more mindful about this. So I think at the end of the day, you know, you talk about taking off the AD hat and going home, which usually is late at night and it's dark, but even on the short drive home or walking the dog, take a little, take a minute and think about the day. And even if it's a terrible day, there had to have been something good that happened that day. And there's probably something that I, I could do better and that's okay. And to acknowledge those shortfalls and make a resolution to, to be better the next day. And I think that's all we can do. Used to be my car ride, my commute used to be pretty long when I uh, first got this job. Now it's six minutes. So I don't, I don't reflect in the car anymore, <laughs> but no, just taking a moment and it doesn't have to be a lot of time you know, five to 10 minutes to just decompress and reflect is, is so important. And trying to share that with my staff also, just the importance of what was a good thing that happened today? What can you be better at tomorrow? Now, that's good. I, I know John Gordon talks about taking that gratitude walk every day. So it's mm -hmm. on the same line, find something good. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think it makes, uh, makes our life easier. It allows us to focus on the positive for sure. 
uh, and allows us to keep going. And, and I'll tell you another thing too, in doing that, I have started as I, as I walk, I, especially if it's at the end of the day, if I didn't feel good about the way that something ended, it allows me the opportunity to let that thing go, to yep. have that dialogue in my head that it's going to be fine and we're going to move past it and then take that beat, that big deep breath in and out. And we are moving because there's nothing we can do about it. So let's go ahead and, and move on to the next. So, so um, that, that yeah. letting go is so important and very difficult to do. <laughs> it is. Yes, it has taken a long time to do I'm that. I'm glad you said that. Cause I was about to say it myself. It's very hard to do. So, you know, just, just really good stuff there. Nikki, thanks for uh, just sharing so many tips and uh, tricks of the profession of athletic leadership with us today. It's uh, been a great honor to have you on on Title IX Day, I'll say. I don't know if that's what we're calling it or not, but the 50th anniversary of Title IX, having uh, a female administrator here with us uh, who has uh, walked through those uh, those days. And uh, we're, we're happy to have you on as uh, as a leader in Michigan and across our country and our national association. So. Thanks for being with us today. Now we're going to get to know you a little bit more through the two-minute drill. And I'm going to let Don start us with that. All right. Okay, Nikki, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? This could be dangerous. <laughs> All right. Now we're, we're going to switch it up a little. I'm going to call an audible here, the two-minute drill. So we're going to – the first few questions are we're going to play a game of over or under. So these are things that are overrated or underrated. Okay, so we'll tell you the thing. You just say over or under. And if you want to elaborate as to why you're saying over or under, then you can do that. Okay. Okay. Snow. That's a tough one. I love it in the winter, but in right now in the spring and, and going forward, it's overrated. But it does make Michigan beautiful and unique. So that's good. Pokemon Go. Underrated. That was a wonderful movement. I really enjoyed doing some of that stuff with my with my daughters when it first came out. Hummus. Underrated. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right, breakfast. Underrated. But for those of us that are trying intermittent fasting, it's uh, it's much greatly missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, one last uh, question in our over under. Uh, the TV show Pawn Stars on the History Channel. Oh, that is underrated. That is a fabulous show. I love that. That is good stuff. We hit a nerve there. That's good. Good deal. All right. Now back to our more normal two-minute drill questions that you might have heard before. Uh, What was your first job ever? The first job ever was working at the golf course in Ithaca. Now, this is a question we've asked a lot of our guests here in season three. If Josh and I are coming to your house for dinner, okay, so we get on a plane here in Atlanta, we fly to your house uh, up there in Michigan, what are we having? We are either going to have stuffed salmon or we're going to have beef tenderloin. Wow. Two of my favorite things to cook. See, we are about half an hour from the airport. So, yeah, I'm on on a flight. (laughs) All right. We only make it once or twice a year because we're never home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right. All right. So, stalked your Twitter page a little bit and saw you out having fun uh, during some good weather. What's the lowest temp in Michigan? where you would put the convertible top down? Well, I think that day it was about 38. So if the sun <laughs> is shining, it's worth it. <laughs> Bundle up and wow. top down. <laughs> Brave souls. Yeah. All right. So typically we look for famous people uh, that are from 
the location of whoever we're talking to. So Larry Page, 1991 graduate of East Lansing High School, CEO and co-founder of Google, uh, mm-hmm. popped whenever we were uh, doing some research. Who is the most famous person that you've ever met or interacted with? Oh, boy, that's tough. Um, how much time do I have? <laughs> the most famous person I've ever interacted with. I don't know. Maybe I don't get out much. Um, <laughs> that, that's an answer. <laughs> Everybody's famous in my world. <laughs> that's good. That's a good answer. All right. If you could have only one song on repeat forever, what would it be? Um, Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis. Okay. I have, I have a line from that on my sticky note right here. It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. And that stays up on my on my cabin. That's good. good deal. Have you ever disliked something and then changed your mind? Hummus. Huh. There you go. <laughs> Full circle. There we go. Good. <laughs> All right. Vegetables. <laughs> All right, let's finish with this one. It's kind of our trademark question. Today, Nikki Norris, you've been hanging with the ADs, but let's say you could hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? I'd like to hang out with my dad again. He passed away a number of years ago. And as I said, he was my first coach. And my my daughters were in fourth and first grade when he passed away. And he was very, very proud of them. And it's been a challenge to watch them go through the successes they've had and and my career changes. I said I was never going to be an administrator because my dad was a high school principal. And I would like to have him be able to visit us again and see um, what his granddaughters have done. And I think he'd be very proud of them. And, and I think he would chuckle at my career path, but probably say that was what I was destined to do. That's great. Nikki, thank you for joining us again today. We value you and appreciate your words today. Uh, You've made us all better. And for that, we're very grateful. So thanks again. Oh, thank you guys. I sure appreciate what you do. And again, another service to all of our ADs out there. And I I recommend you when I do the new AD uh, orientation at our conference, yours is one of the podcasts that I tell them they should listen to. So thank you. Appreciate it. What a great honor it was to have Miss Nikki Norris from East Lansing High School in Michigan join us today on what is being celebrated as Title IX Day, per se, the 50th anniversary of the passage of the Title IX legislation. We are so blessed to have a great leader in uh, the state of Michigan, but also in our country and our nation uh, in high school athletics, uh, Nikki Norris, and we appreciate her being here today. It was an honor to have her on, especially since she was recognized uh, just a couple years ago uh, with a great Women in Sports Leadership Award there in Michigan, where she has seen many opportunities come since the passage of Title IX. We know Nikki has been a leader, an instrumental leader in Michigan uh, through her uh, leadership in the state association, in the schools that she has served. And as she said, she's been someone that female student athletes could say, I want to be like that. I want to be a leader like her. And after we heard her speak today and talk to us and share some great leadership lessons, we all should want to be like Nikki Norris as she leads with care and grace and just such determination. Thank you, Nikki, for being with us. 
We appreciate your service to uh, your state and to the industry of athletic administration. Thanks so much. Thanks for teaching us what it's like to be an official, as you were our first former official to be on our show, and uh, how we as athletic administrators can act and behave using poise and calmness as is something that you learned being an official that you now bring to this job. Thank you so much. What a great episode this was on June 23rd, 2022, 50 years after the passage of Title IX. We hope that everyone enjoyed this conversation. Reach out to Nikki. She will uh, be more than willing to help you out as she has communicated quite often with us when we needed uh, help uh, with our association or with our school. Once again, thank you, Nikki Norris, East Lansing High School, for being our guest on this special day. And we also stop now to ask if you're listening, if you could rate this podcast on the platform you're listening from, leave us a review, uh, hit us up on social media. We would love any of that if you would do that. And as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD.